Hello, and welcome back to the Braxton Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gidding. This week on Campfire Stories, Chapter 15, For Demons and Braxton. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the final chapter of the Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble. I hope you enjoy it. So let's go get that campfire started, and we'll nestle in for a good story. The Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble, Chapter 15, For Demons and Braxton, 1. The sun had set over Braxton, leaving a dark and moonless night. Still chained to the rail and his face bloodied and bruised, Neil was losing the strength to remain standing on the tips of his toes. The pain had become almost too much for him to bear. Junior stood in front of the weakening Neil, with blood on his hands and sweat dripping from his forehead. Your Braxton was a dream, Neil, Junior said as he wiped the blood from his knuckles. You and your brother thought you could stop progress. You thought you could keep Braxton held back. This country belongs to the outlaws now. That's what America stands for. Freedom from law. Freedom to take what you deserve at any cost. I deserve to run this town. I deserve to make a fortune. You once believed the same as us, Junior. What happened to you? The truth happened to me, Neil. I opened my eyes and saw the glory and the reward going to the wrong people. That's why I started my plan. Introduce a criminal element that I could control, become sheriff, and clean up. Then I would be seen for what I am. But nobody cared. They just expected me to clean up the crime. I got no respect. I got no praise. All I ever heard were the stories of the King brothers. I knew that the only way to get what I deserved was to kill you and your little brother. The door opened quickly and Frankie ran over to Junior. He's done it, Jackson. He's killed everyone. Frankie was reveling in the death and carnage that had taken place earlier in the day. Junior laughed gleefully at the news. Ha! Did you hear that, Neil? Your brother went on a rampage and killed innocent people just for you. Now isn't that sweet? He thinks he can save you. Junior turned to Frankie. What about the mayor? Dead. The first one he offed, Frankie said with a smile and a chuckle. Neil couldn't believe what he was hearing. He couldn't believe that Sam would do such a thing. Not for anyone, including him. This is a trick, he thought. He killed the mayor and his slack-jawed little sidekick. According to my source, he went house to house killing everyone we told him, Frankie bragged. Neil just studied Frankie and Junior as they went on about Sam's killing spree. He was trying to figure out if what they were saying was true. You got nothing to say? You gonna just hang there and bleed? Junior asked jokingly. Cowards. 
to both of you. Neil spat out as he fought the pain. Frankie hit Neil in the gut. I ain't no daggone coward. Hanging on death's stoop, and you still too big for your britches. Now that everyone knows what your brother done, Braxton will come crawling back to me for help. And once I deliver your bodies, I will own everything. And everyone in town. So what's your next move? Neil asked. Now Sam waits for me to call and set up a meeting where I will set you free and both of you will leave town. But we know that's not gonna happen. I think I'll wait a little while to call him. Set it up for tomorrow. Let him stew for a while and see if the town turns on him first, Junior gloated. They said he went home and hasn't left since. He hasn't left his house. He's probably cowering there, holed up with a few guns hiding behind a wall, Frankie cackled. Kings don't cower in the face of anyone, Neil began. How did you get those scars, Frankie? Running from a fight? Frankie picked up a nearby pipe and swung it at Neil, cracking him in the chest with a loud, almost hollow-sounding thud. Neil slid back on the rail as he screamed out in pain. Junior pulled him back to where he was, and Neil looked at his gun belt still around Frankie's waist. You want this? Not gonna happen, Frankie said hauntingly. Neil coughed and spat up blood. I will have my gun back. I can promise you that, <coughs> he said before coughing up more blood. That's enough, Frankie, Junior said before Frankie could strike again. Frankie dropped the pipe while Neil kept his eye on him. Neil was sizing him up and planning his attack, but first he needed to find a way out of his bonds. He'd been trying to find a way out for hours, but it seemed that Junior and Frankie took away all options for escape. Frankie pulled Neil's revolver out of the holster and held it up to examine it closely. He ran his fingers over the raised K and flying crown. The wood felt almost new and fresh from the constant oiling done by Neil. Even the scratches and dents from the years of use had somehow become part of the weapon, like they belonged there. He spun the cylinder, pulled back the hammer, and pointed it at Neil. What makes this gun so special? It looks like every other gun. There's nothing special about it. Frankie released the hammer. Nothing special about you, neither, he added. You wouldn't know special if it slapped you across the face. I know, because I have. Neil continued to taunt, defiant till the end. Frankie drew back the hammer once again and pointed the revolver at Neil. You and your damned brother never let me be special. You never let nobody shine. You always had to outshine everyone. You were afraid of me and my pops, so you drove us out of town, Frankie yelled. I have never been afraid of anyone. <coughs> Neil coughed and winced in pain. We drove you out of town because your dear old dad drank too damn much. 
Neil paused to catch his breath. And you were always fighting and pushing people around. Pushing the little people around doesn't make you better than them. And it absolutely doesn't make them respect you. Junior watched Frankie carefully to make sure he didn't lose it. Frankie, put the gun down. We kill them at the same time, Junior ordered. Frankie did as he was told and holstered the weapon. Then he left the barn. He's a bit hot-headed, but he's right. You kings always had to be better than everyone else. And if people didn't do as you told them and you couldn't control them, you drove them out of town or killed them. I'm just taking a page from your book. Neil just stared at Junior without responding to his insanity. He had thought Junior was smarter than to believe the garbage that just spewed from his mouth. 2. The fog was rolling in thick throughout the old Braxton Mills Company grain and elevator grounds. It was a horseshoe-shaped complex that sat along the railway on the south side, with the slow-moving Reed River along the west and north, as the Reed flowed south to meet up with the Ohio River. The largest building was a storage barn on the far east side, and this building had rails leading right to the tracks from one side, and rails leading to the river docks on the other. In the dock was a mid-sized ship that had been left behind when Braxton Mills Company went under a few years back. Along the north and south side of the complex were a series of buildings, warehouses, and silos to hold grain before being transferred to either train or boat. A dirt road came in from the southwest side and traveled over the tracks, ending in a large open parking area. Dense wooded areas surrounded the complex, making it the perfect long-term hideout for Junior and Frankie. Sam ran out of the woods and crossed the tracks, keeping low as he ran up to the first building. He was well armed with his usual four handguns as well as a Thompson and a BAR slung over his back. The BAR would be for Neil once he was rescued. He had his knife tied to his gun belt and kept it handy. It would be needed if he was going to search the entire large complex without making noise. He wore a simple denim shirt with the sleeves rolled up for freedom of movement. Thin suspenders kept his pants up, and he wore no shoes for stealthy or quiet movement. The building was small, and Sam looked in through an open window to see that it was empty and of no use to him. He ran along the building to the east side. It was dark and secluded, but he saw something out of the corner of his eye. He quickly grabbed the knife from the sheath tied to his gun belt and turned to his right. It was just his demons again, the little girl from France. She seemed to have been following him all day, and he could not get the vision of her out of his head. You gonna watch me all night? He asked quietly. No answer. It was all in his head anyway. He turned and walked through an open door into an adjoining building. 
Once inside, he quickly dispatched two guards by slitting their throats and spilling their blood on the floor. With a quick look around, he moved on to the next room, where he came across another one of Junior's henchmen. The short, dirty henchman saw Sam, but before he could sound an alarm by screaming, Sam buried the knife deep into the man's skull. His eyes rolled back, and his body fell limp. Sam pulled the knife out of the man's skull. His hand was covered in blood, but Sam acted as if it was nothing as he dragged the man's body into the first room with the other two bodies and dropped it. Wiping the blood from his blade, he moved back into the second room, ready for another kill. It was cleared of guards, but not of weapons. This was the armory. Guns, ammo, and explosives lined the walls, both in boxes and out in the open. The front door of the small building was open, and through the fog, he noticed a figure walking his direction. He pushed up against the wall to keep out of sight. Once the figure entered the room, he was dispatched quickly and quietly. The bodies were already piling up, and Sam had only just begun. This was going to be a long and slow fight, with many kills, but it was worth it to Sam. He would kill a thousand men to get his brother back. He glanced at the vision of the girl, who was still lingering about. The little girl said nothing. She just looked at him emotionless, as if she was there merely to observe and for nothing more. He turned away from her and glanced out the open door. Across a large open space of the horseshoe-shaped complex, there were two large barns, and off to the right was a loading barn, where the grain was bagged and loaded into the trains, boats, and trucks. Connected to that building was the grain elevator, and this building was being guarded by two thugs standing on either side of the door, armed with shotguns. Neil, Sam said to himself. Sam moved to the next building. He glanced in through a window and saw a large group of men. At least fifteen, maybe twenty. The building was a common room, a mix of bunks and tables, and every man inside was armed with nothing less than a shotgun. A man came out of the fog toward him, and Sam almost didn't see him in time. But just as the man opened his mouth, filled with rotten teeth, to scream, Sam covered his mouth and punctured his spine through his throat with the hard, swift thrust of his knife. Blood shot out and sprayed Sam in the face and neck. He turned his face to avoid more blood spray and noticed another man heading toward him. This man was heavily armed and reached for his sidearm. Sam buried the blade into the man's throat before he had a chance to remove his gun from its holster. Sam stood for a moment looking at the two bodies laying on the ground before him. These were not necessarily young, in-their-prime kind of guys. These were at least thirty-five or forty. Frankie and Junior must be scraping the bottom of the barrel, Sam thought to himself as once again the vision caught his attention. Don't you think? He asked the little girl. Okay, follow me, he said after he received no response. 
He walked around to the back of the building that was full of men and went to a small shack that sat just a few feet from the large grain elevator. As he stood in the shadow of the shack, he noticed Frankie walking across the complex toward the common area. Sam desperately wanted to kill Frankie right at that moment, but he knew there was too much at risk, so he simply shrank back into the shadows to stay hidden. He needed to find Neil before he could kill Frankie and Junior. Sam closed his eyes to compose himself, but then he heard giggling and opened them quickly. It was merely the vision of the little girl. She was laughing at Sam, but he couldn't figure out why. The fog was slowly fading, leaving less places for Sam to hide and forcing his men to retreat further into the woods. Al and Boom, however, did not retreat. They were lying prone with their rifles trained on the compound. Al followed Sam's every move while Boom slowly scanned the compound, looking for danger. Now that the fog was lifted slightly, Al and Boom had an even better view of what was going on. And they both felt better about the situation. Everything looks clear so far, Boom said quietly. Keep an eye on that crowded building. That's going to be the biggest risk for him. One guy sees him, and he's as good as done, Al said. No worries, Al. I've got it covered, Boom replied. Sam was crouched beside a small shack watching the guarded barn. The door opened and Junior walked out, leaving the door slightly ajar. Light crept out from inside the barn before one of the guards reached over and closed the door. That's definitely the spot, Sam thought as he watched Junior walk into what looked to be a phone booth between the two large barns across the compound. Just behind the barn, and the phone booth, was the dock with a large boat there, waiting for something to happen. In the moonless night, the boat was illuminated only by a few electric lights that stretched the length of the dock, but Sam could still see that it was decrepit and on the verge of toppling over. Sam leaned out from behind the building a bit more, not so far that he could be seen, but just enough to get a good look at the guarded barn. Then he slunk back into another shadow. There was no way he was going in from the front, not without being spotted. He walked behind the small shack quietly and heard voices inside. This was the last obstacle before getting to that barn. But inside were three men, all armed with shotguns. That seems to be their favorite weapon here, he whispered to the little girl who just stared at him. Sam was for the first time, grateful for her presence. She gave him someone to talk to, and that gave him peace of mind. It was an outlet for his fear. He knew he couldn't get past the three without being noticed, so he devised a quick plan to utilize the open window on the side. He lifted a bulky rock from near his feet and tossed it on the tracks a few yards away. It landed with a loud, clanking noise, bouncing from the rail to the weathered wooden ties. 
two of the men inside went out to investigate the noise, giving Sam the perfect opening. He jumped through the open window, and before he even hit the ground inside, he jabbed his knife through the base of the remaining man's skull. His body went limp, but Sam held it up with his left hand, and with the other, pulled his revolver from its holster, thumbing the hammer quietly. He placed the revolver against the fleshy back of the corpse, and when the other two men returned, Sam shot them both dead, using the body as a suppressor, not only keeping the noise down, but also hiding the flesh from the gun's muzzle. The prized revolver was placed back in its holster as Sam looked around to make sure nothing had disturbed the men scattered around the complex. After a few tense moments, Sam dragged the two bodies into the small shack and stacked them on top of their buddy. He closed the door and crouched low. Looking over to the guarded barn, he noticed a ladder that led to a small door near the top of the barn. This was once part of a conveyor-built system that moved grain from one place to the next for processing before being loaded on the trains or trucks. On the opposite side was a duplicate conveyor belt leading to the docks. This was Sam's way into the building, unseen by the henchmen at the front door. He had been taught by Al to always seek the higher ground, and there was no spot higher than that. After looking around to make sure it was clear, Sam made his move, sticking to the shadows, and once at the bottom of the ladder, he looked up. He was no fan of heights, but for his brother, he would do anything. The ladder looked rusty and dirty. Dried leaves and spiderwebs crossed the spaces between the rungs. Sam hesitantly placed a hand on the ladder and took a deep breath. Before climbing, he turned to the little girl. You must be loving this, right? He looked up. You gonna follow me up there, too? Sam received no answer when he glanced back at the girl and began his ascent to the top. Everything inside of him told him to look down, and he felt like he was just a step away from falling. Sam knew this was irrational, so he forced himself to carry on, climbing toward the small door. At the top of the ladder he paused, and against his better judgment, he looked down. Everything went blurry as he realized how high he had climbed. Feeling an uncontrollable sense of falling, he grabbed tight to the railing that wrapped the small platform at the top. After steadying himself, he slowly opened the small door and peered in. A quick scan of the barn revealed his brother hanging from a chain on a sliding rail. Sam's heart broke when he saw Neil's condition. He was bloody, shirtless, shoeless, and looked like he was using his last bit of energy just to stay on his toes. Sam climbed in through the small door and let it close behind him. On the catwalk above his brother, Sam saw the little girl sitting and staring back at him. She looked grim, almost like she was trying to tell Sam something without words. With hesitation, Sam quietly made his way closer to Neil and the little girl, crawling along the catwalk and trying not to look down. 
He trembled with every movement, thinking it was the motion that was going to send him tumbling to his doom below. The door to the barn opened, and Junior walked in. He seemed aggravated as he walked over to Neil. Sam stopped and did his best not to move a muscle. Seems we might have a bit of a delay, he said. Junior pushed Neil, sliding him back on the track, and when he was sliding, Neil glanced up for the briefest of moments and saw Sam crouched on the catwalk. Neil's first thought was being impressed that his brother, who was afraid of heights, was able to get so far out away from the walls and safety. Your baby brother isn't answering the phone. If he doesn't answer, it makes it kind of hard to set up the mead for your handoff and execution, Junior said with an evil grin. I knew it, Sam thought. The little girl stared at Sam with a strange smile growing across her pale face. Sam was confused. Neil looked back at Junior. Didn't we already go over this? You can't kill me, and neither can Frankie. You guys are already dead, and once you realize that, we can all get on with our lives. Well, not you and Frankie, but the rest of us can, Neil taunted. Junior punched Neil in the gut and was about to hit him again when he heard yelling outside. He ran to the door. Nobody gets in, he yelled to the guards as he slammed the door shut. Sam took the opportunity to climb down the chain that held Neil, and once on the ground, he pulled his still bloody knife out to cut the ropes binding Neil's hands. Neil fell to the ground in pain and exhausted. You alive? Sam asked. So far, little brother. Thanks. Is that your doing he ran out there for? Neil rasped. Rest fast. We can't stay here too long, Sam advised. Sam grabbed the BAR from around his shoulder and handed it to Neil, who used it as a cane to stand. What's this I hear about you going on some sort of killing spree for Junior? Neil asked. A ruse. An act for his benefit. To buy some time. Sam began. Everyone he wanted me to kill is outside waiting for my signal. Once they hear gunfire, they move in. Sam paused for a moment and looked around the barn. Where's your revolver? He asked. Frankie's got it. We'll have to get it back, Sam said. I'm no good to you, brother. Just lead me to a safe place and drop me. There was a commotion outside and Sam could hear Frankie's voice, so he ran to the door and hid beside it. The door opened and Frankie ran in. He paused at the sight of Neil freed from his bonds, but before he had a chance to react, Sam closed the door and grabbed Neil's gun from the belt around Frankie's waist. Sam pointed the revolver at Frankie, who turned quickly. Son of a... How? Frankie asked. Astonished. Walk, Sam ordered, shoving Frankie. They all know you're here, and you ain't got no way out alive, Frankie said. Sam hit Frankie in the back of the head with the butt of the revolver, knocking him to the ground. 
As he stood back up, Neil reached over and removed his gun belt and put it back where it belonged. On himself. Sam handed him his revolver, which he holstered. The brothers tied Frankie up and hung him from the chain that had just been holding Neil. Hurts, don't it? Neil laughed in his face. You'll never get away with this, Frankie exclaimed. Sam punched Frankie in the gut, sending him sliding back several feet. Why don't you just kill me if you're going to? Frankie said shakily. Sam pulled his revolver from its holster and pointed it at Frankie, who flinched. I will. I just want to leave your body hanging here for Junior to find, Sam said. Sam lowered his revolver and glanced up to the catwalk. The little girl was no longer there. Sam looked around for her, but with no luck. You okay, little brother? Neil asked. Just then, the door flew open, and the two guards ran in with guns blazing. The one on the right was a tenant farmer from a nearby town, and the other was his son. Frankie panicked while Neil and Sam took cover. Sam pulled the two pistols from his shoulder holsters and returned fire. Get them! Shoot the bastards! Frankie yelled. The guards fired rapidly, heading all around the brothers but missing them. Watch out! Don't shoot me! Frankie shouted in a panic. Head to the back. I'll cover you, Sam said. Neil made a break for the back door as quickly as his broken body could carry him, while Sam kept the gunfire focused on him. Sam took out the tenant farmer, but by that time, more men had begun pouring into the barn. Al perked up. That's it, boys. Let's get this done now. He yelled before returning his attention to his rifle. Boom laughed as the townspeople opened fire on the compound from the woods. John and Marcus ran toward the open end of the horseshoe with guns blazing. Wood splinters flew all around Sam as bullets shattered wooden crates. He turned and looked toward the back and saw Neil leaving the barn. This is not good, he said to himself out loud. The little girl laughed and caught Sam's attention. There you are. For a moment, I thought you'd left me. She laughed again as Sam turned and peered out from his spot as bullets kept flying. He dropped the empty magazines from the pistols and replaced them with fresh ones before putting them back in their holsters. He swung the Thompson around from his back and stood as he held down the trigger. The men in his path flew to the ground in a hurry to dodge the thunderous machine's rage. Once Sam saw that all men were on the ground, he turned and ran for the back door. Neil was waiting just on the other side of the door, leaning against an old truck that had been sitting for years. Sam looked at his brother. You okay? Neil forced himself to stand, and the two ran off toward the two barns on the northern side of the complex. Sam hadn't seen anyone coming from that direction and figured it might be safe for now. Once there, Neil leaned against the building to catch his breath and rest while Sam peeked in through a slightly open door. It was clear. 
You're bleeding, little brother. How bad is it? Neil asked. Not bad enough to stop me. You keep this B.A.R. on you and stay sharp, Sam said. Sam didn't even realize he had been hit in the shootout, so it certainly wouldn't stop him from completing his task. Sam looked toward the woods and saw a line of men running toward the compound, firing as they ran, the flashes from the gun's barrels lighting the way. Al and Boom were at the open end of the horseshoe-shaped compound, hiding in the woods with their rifles. Al tried to keep his scope on Sam and Neil, while Boom covered the rest of the men. Three, Boom said as he ejected the shell and loaded another round into his Mauser. Four, again he reloaded. Two, Al said as he took down a man who was running in the direction of the brothers. A tall, thin man in overalls ran toward Sam, wielding a shotgun. Sam turned and noticed him, but before he could fire off a shot, the man fell dead, landing at Sam's feet. Sam looked up and nodded his head in the direction of Al. I'll go get Frankie and Junior. You rest here, Sam began as he tossed the dead man's shotgun closer to Neil. You stay here until you're ready. No need for heroics, Neil. I mean it. You're out of view and should be plenty safe here, Sam lectured in a parental tone. I got it, Neil said. As Sam turned, a body fell from the roof of a nearby building. Again, he nodded toward Al. Three. Sam made his way through the chaos outside, shooting as he needed to, but saving his prized revolver for Junior and Frankie. The noise of the gunfire and screaming of the wounded and dying was all becoming too much for Sam to handle. But he fought off his demons and focused on the task at hand. He noticed the little girl Vision was now standing near a long, narrow building that he was running toward. Two men ran toward him, shooting but missing. Sam lifted the barrel of his Thompson and fired, finishing the ammo in the last drum. Once at the long building, he paused at the door, near where the little girl was standing. Sam heard rustling inside. He dropped the empty Thompson and grabbed two pistols from his shoulder holsters before running through the doorway. Right away, he was met by two men wielding rifles and dispatched them quickly. Another man ducked behind a stack of crates, and Sam paused, waiting for the man to show himself. He quickly looked down the end of a long building and noticed even more men scurrying about. Sam slowly and quietly walked toward the other end with his pistols raised, ready to be fired. As he walked, he scanned the large room for trouble, not wanting to be caught off guard. The hiding men jumped out and ran toward the other end. It was Frankie, and as usual, he was running away from a fight. Kill him! Frankie yelled as he took cover behind more crates. There were six men, heavily armed, between him and Frankie. He took a moment to calm his breathing and load fresh magazines into his pistols before he jumped to his feet and returned fire. Wooden crates shattered and glass jars inside them exploded as bullets tore through them. 
Bodies began to fall as Sam fought through the pain of getting shot multiple times. Each bullet that found its mark on him released more adrenaline, allowing him to continue and end the lives of all six men. As the dust cleared, Frankie ran from the back door, and despite having just been shot, Sam gave chase. Once outside, Frankie sprinted for the woods. He saw his freedom just a few yards away, and figured he would return with more men. As Sam left the building, he returned his pistols to their holsters and pulled out his revolver. Frankie had reached the tree line when a large pine tree exploded next to him, sending bark and slivers of pine flying into his face. He didn't remember even hearing the shot from Sam, but it stopped him in his tracks. It's the end of the line, Frankie, Sam yelled with contempt. Sam had an overwhelming sensation of relief as Frankie turned and froze in fear like a deer in headlights when he saw Sam with his pistol pointed at him. Frankie held a pistol in his own hand, but he kept it pointed down. As Sam walked toward Frankie, he kept his revolver trained on him, waiting for the perfect moment to squeeze the trigger. Do you give us answers, or do I just kill you where you stand? Sam asked. Without a word, Frankie raised his gun quickly, but dropped it again when he saw the flash from the barrel of Sam's revolver and heard a thunderous bang. As Sam's bullet ripped through his throat, Frankie thought it odd that he'd heard the shot that time. His eyes grew big as he became unsteady on his feet, trying not to fall. That's for Liz, Sam said acrimoniously as he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders. Frankie fell to his knees, coughing up blood as he dropped the pistol and cupped his hands over his wound. He drew a few short, raspy breaths before falling to the ground on his back. Blood gushed from the hole in his throat, despite Frankie's attempt to stop it. As he lay there looking up at Sam, he struggled to breathe, and Sam watched for a moment. It reminded him of watching his first kill slowly die all those years ago. Not too far away, a young boy caught Sam's attention. It was himself as a youngster, and he was wearing the oversized fedora and blood-stained clothes. The young boy simply looked at Sam for a moment before tipping his fedora and bowing his head slightly. The vision was gone almost as quickly as it had appeared, and Sam turned his attention back to Frankie, whose life had gone from his body. Sam turned back toward the complex and the raging gun battle, and as he began to walk, he noticed a little girl beside him. She said nothing as they walked, and she didn't even look up at Sam. 4. A group of men ran for the armory, but were mowed down by Marcus's Thompson before they reached it. The bullets ripped through their flesh and the wooden building that they were running toward, shattering the windows and hitting boxes of ammo, which set off live rounds and explosives that blew the building apart, taking the two neighboring buildings on either side with it. The explosion sent bodies flying like ragdolls. John dodged one such body 
as he was sent flying through the air himself. Marcus turned his back to the heat of the explosion and fell to his knees as Sam ran across the compound. Marcus, he yelled, have you seen Junior? No, Marcus yelled as he shot a man running toward John. Check on him, Sam said, pointing to John, who was stumbling to his feet. I'm right as rain, Sam. I'm still in this, John yelled right before killing another one of the fleeing thugs. Sam stood in the center of the compound, looking in every direction frantically, before he saw a large group of men loading boxes into three trucks in one of the barns near the dock. He picked up a Thompson that was lying next to a bullet-riddled body and ran into the building, where he was quickly noticed and fired upon. He took cover behind the blade of a large plow and checked the drum of the Thompson. It was nearly full. Sam jumped to his feet and returned fire. Bullets flew in both directions. Sam's shots bounced off of the trucks, and their shots bounced off of the plow. Wooden crates in the back of the truck and on the ground nearby were torn to shreds, and the glass bottles of liquor inside shattered, sending glass and alcohol flying through the air. Three men fell to their deaths before Sam once again retreated to the safety of the plow's blade. Five men remained and gathered behind the trucks for protection. The Thompson had fired its last round, so Sam tossed it to the ground and grabbed a pistol from his shoulder holster. Suddenly, there was a steady and loud barrage of gunfire. He knew that sound. It was unmistakable. Much like the sound of a Thompson was distinctive, the sound of a Barrett automatic rifle was one of a kind. Sam poked his head out from cover to see Neil walking toward the five remaining men, firing his B.A.R. Still shoe and shirtless, Neil shook with each recoil of the gun as he walked toward the men, who tried to shoot back amid the flood of rounds heading their way. The men fell to their deaths, and Neil continued to fire until he was out of ammo. I wasn't quite as bad off as I thought. Neil said as he tossed the now-empty B.A.R. to the ground. Sam stood and grinned. I got Frankie. Now let you and I go get Junior, Sam said. Did he suffer? Neil asked. Of course. Sam and Neil stood in the doorway of the building, looking out over the destruction. The fire from the explosion had spread to all of the buildings, lining the south side of the complex. Bodies covered the ground and gunfire rang out from all directions. Junior ran across the compound toward the barn that held Neil. The brothers saw this and ran after him. Now take the front. You take the back, Neil said as they ran. Sam sprinted around to the back of the building, where it was relatively quiet, while Neil ran through the heart of the fighting to get to the entrance Junior had been seen running toward. Neil paused at the door and opened it slowly as the chaos continued behind him. You might want to turn your ass right back around and leave, Junior said as Neil walked in. Neil looked around for Junior's echoing voice. The noises outside and the crackling of the flames that had begun to engulf the building made it hard for Neil to discern where he was hiding. 
As Neil scanned the area for signs of Junior, Sam entered from the back. Neil shrugged his shoulders, and then Sam knew exactly where to look. The place where he'd hidden from Junior earlier. Sam looked up, as did Neil. Junior was lying flat along one of the catwalks. From his vantage point, Sam could see that Junior was unarmed. Sam slid his prize revolver from his holster and took aim as the roof began to burn and smoke started to fill the barn. He didn't want to kill Junior. He just wanted him to know that his hiding spot wasn't very good. He fired, hitting the catwalk just a few inches from Junior. Bullet fragments flew in all directions, causing Junior to flinch. He lost his balance and went over the edge, but was able to catch himself by grabbing the railing. He dangled from the catwalk as the flames began to engulf the walls. Burning debris fell throughout the space. Some bits hit Junior on its way to the ground. This made Junior panic and struggle to get back on the catwalk. The brothers walked toward Junior as he flailed his legs wildly. Junior turned his head back and looked down at Sam and Neil as they stood beneath him. Neil slid his revolver from its holster and thumbed the hammer. The brothers looked at each other, letting Junior hang. Then they turned back to Junior. You are our brother, Junior, Neil yelled up at his former friend. We let you into our lives. We loved you as one of us, Sam added. Junior said nothing as he struggled to climb back on the catwalk. The brothers shot at the catwalk on either side of Junior, taunting him and making him lose his grip little by little. Do you hear that? That's the sound of you failing, Sam said, referring to the fight still raging outside. The roof was nearly completely engulfed in flames as a board fell, hitting Junior on its way down and knocking him to the ground fifteen feet below. He screamed in pain and fear as he hit the ground between the brothers, who quickly stepped out of the way as he fell. That looked kinda painful, Sam said in a smug tone. Sam and Neil were both covered in blood, mostly their own, mixed with sweat as they stood over Junior. The brothers tried to hide their pain, but it was clear they were on their last leg. Junior was trapped with the twin revolvers pointed at him. He tried to struggle but was unable to move through the pain and possibly broken back. You two always have to be better, don't you? Junior asked, knowing his life was already over. It doesn't take much to be better than a coward, Neil replied. Sam released the lever and swung the cylinder. Then he pointed the revolver toward the sky and emptied the shells from the cylinder. Neil couldn't help but watch the empty shells fall to the ground near Junior. Sam pulled bullets from his gun belt and loaded them as Neil swung at his cylinder and reloaded as well. Junior watched the brothers, who were silent as they reloaded. The brothers were taking their time so Junior could suffer longer. The flames grew bigger, brighter, and hotter with every passing moment. Either kill me, leave me here to die, or get me out of here, Junior demanded. Sam shot him in the leg just above the knee, 
and Junior screamed in pain as blood spurted on the ground. That one was for Carol, Sam said. Neil looked up at Sam, not knowing the meaning of what Sam said. She told me to make him bleed, Sam explained. Neil laughed. The commotion outside had come to a stop. The only noise was the crackling of the flames and the breaking of the burned planks from the walls and ceiling. Sounds like your protection is either all dead or ran like the cowards you and Frankie are, Neil commented. Frankie was, Sam corrected. Right. Sorry. The brothers aimed their revolvers at Junior and thumbed the hammers. Junior opened his mouth to say something, and the brothers filled it with hot lead, not allowing him to utter his last words. The back half of the building collapsed, and Sam turned to look. When he did, he saw the little girl standing in the flames and debris. He smiled before he turned and left the barn with Neil a few steps behind him. Sam walked out of the burning building to see his team standing in the center of the flaming compound. Neil walked up behind him and put his left hand on his shoulder. Atwood Henderson snapped a photo from a distance, the flashbulb casting a large shadow of the brothers briefly on the burning building. As they looked out over the crowd, they felt a sense of accomplishment. They knew they had saved Braxton from a criminally controlled existence. You guys look like shit, Marcus joked as he held his own blood-soaked arm. Sam turned to Neil. You do look like shit, brother. The barn collapsed behind them, and the group of officers cheered as Al and Boom made their way to the front of the group, still holding their rifles. Atwood snapped another photo. Sam smiled at the sight of his uncle, who beamed with pride in his boys. Neil removed his gun belt, and it was like a weight had just been lifted off his shoulders. I made a promise that I intend to keep, little brother. I'm done with this life. My body is done with it, Neil said. He handed the handmade leather gun belt to his younger brother, who stared at it. Sam removed the pistol from the left holster of his gun belt and tossed it to Boom. Then, he removed Neil's revolver from the holster, and with a western-style spin, placed it in his holster. With the twin revolvers reunited, Al smiled, and Neil lowered his gun belt to his side. It's all up to you now, little brother, Neil said. Sam reached his hand out, then fell to the ground. Boom rushed to his side to help Neil get him up. I got you, boss, Boom said as he helped Sam to his feet. The adrenaline was wearing off, and Sam was beginning to feel every shot he'd received. Al slung his rifle over his shoulder. Just rest here, boys. You look like you could use it. Boom. Would you get the car? Without a word, Boom ran off to retrieve the car for the brothers. Atwood ran up and snapped another shot. The flash blinded them for a moment. I'm gonna shove that damn thing down your throat if you don't go away. Sam growled through the pain. 
The sun began to rise as the victors let the compound burn, tossing bodies under the flames. Sam was unsteady on his feet as he looked around the former Braxton Mills Company complex. Everything was on fire. Even the docked boat had caught a hot ember and was burning. Sam couldn't believe the destruction that was caused. In the act of trying to save Braxton, he had caused the ruin of so much in lives and property. Boom pulled up in Sam's car and Al helped the brothers into the back seat. But before Sam sat down, he turned for one last look. So much destruction, Al, he said, ashamed. The town will continue as it was. The loss of life is regrettable. But for the good of the people, it had to be done. I'm the pale horse. And death will follow wherever I go, Sam said. You are life. And you are the right hand. You strike down the evil in this world so that the good may live in peace. The End Thank you so much for joining me this week on Campfire Stories. I hope you enjoyed the last and final chapter, Chapter 15, For Demons and Braxton. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for The Kings of Braxton, Born Unto Trouble. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. I definitely enjoyed recording it for you. Thank you so very much. If you like what you're hearing, please share this show with others. Also, if you're interested, you can hop over to Amazon.com and buy The Kings of Braxton, Born Under Trouble. 